Welcome to Indisputable. I'm Sharon Reed in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie, who's earned some time off. And our co-host today is Ben Carollo, host of Galaxy Brain and also breakdown contributor for TYT. Um, love having you. This is our first time together, but I already know it's gonna work out great. It's gonna be yeah, terrific. Um, so I'm very happy to have your commentary on the show today. And uh, let's get right to it. Uh, we start with one that is really horrific to think about, okay? 22 year old woman. Buffalo, New York, out at work in the blizzard and tragically she dies because she is buried alive. All that snow in her car, so many hours went by. I wanna listen to just some, some of what ended up being her final moments. So she knows that um, you know this is not working out. She called 911. Uh, she sent footage to her family. Um, again, a 22-year-old woman here, Ann Dell Taylor is her name. Uh, her family is distraught, upset as anyone might be. Um, she was on her way home from work when she got caught in the Buffalo blizzard that was on December 23rd. So just two days before Christmas, why was she out in it again on her way home from work? On Monday, President Joe Biden approved emergency relief for New Yorkers who are suffering. So there is that, but at the end of the day, this woman is gone and her family believes that it was not you know, hypothermia. But instead the car, they say, was running, the snow was still coming. It blocked the pipes, that's what they believe. It's too soon to tell right now. She was believed to be in her car for about 18 hours. 18 hours, can you imagine it, alone before she passed away. In a group chat, she explained that the snow was blinding, it was piling on top of her car. She called 911, as we said, she was waiting for first responders who couldn't reach her. Wanda Brown Steele's Taylor's mother said the young woman planned to sleep out the storm and then she was going to walk home, it wasn't to be. Taylor was believed to be in her car, as we said, for some 18 hours. I feel like everybody that tried to get her out got stuck, the fire department, police, everyone got stuck. Why didn't they have chains on their tires? Again, this is a state known for snow. The victim's mother believes her daughter, as we said, died from carbon monoxide poisoning. That can happen, the car was running, she said. The snow was still coming, it blocked the pipes, the exhaust pipe. Then after the car cut off, that's when she iced out. This 22 year old woman died alone. There is now a fund, a GoFundMe for the family, supporting her family. If you would like to give, there it is. And again, as of yesterday, lake effect snow forecasted for areas of south of Buffalo. Moderate temperatures expected for the rest of the week. Some are calling this the worst storm ever ever in Buffalo. So when you think about that, that really puts it in perspective. And others are asking, what is lake effect snow? I spent 10 years in Cleveland, so I know what it is. But in case you don't, lake effect snow occurs when cold air passes over the unfrozen and warmer lake water, transferring all that moisture and warmth to lower parts of the atmosphere. The air then rises, forms clouds, resulting in intense 
really unrelenting snow. That's what they were facing for so many hours. As we said, the president has issued a, a emergency relief for New Yorkers who are suffering. More than 2,000 customers in Erie County remain without power after nightfall. Um, that was on Tuesday, and according to the blackout tracker power outage dot us. Uh, Brown, the mayor of Buffalo said Tuesday morning that 20,000 had been without power before restoration efforts lit up the city. And so Ben, I want to ask you because again, this is this is Buffalo, New York. And it's no easy task. I've been through many of these lake effect snows. Um, but shouldn't they have done better? How in this day and age can you not get to this 22 year old woman 18 hours as she's slowly dying alone? Yeah, I mean, seriously, this story is just so heartbreaking in like a million different like, you know, areas. Because like, first and foremost, why was she at work in the first place, right? Like what, like what job was she doing that was so important to risk her life? Because unfortunately, in this country, we're put in this position where I mean, just look at like, you know, Florida during hurricanes, people are like expected to go to work at Waffle House in the middle of like a category four storm. Like it's just ridiculous, right? Where we put all this pressure on people to like continue working. We don't give people emergency leave or paid time off for all of these things. And so it's no wonder that these tragedies happen. And then on top of it, when it comes to the response from the government, we are very much a country of emergency relief as opposed to emergency preparedness. Sure, that we might get stimulus checks after a pandemic. Sure, the government might come in and help rich neighborhoods recover from natural disasters, but where where is the preparedness right where is the having extra snow plows right that can like escort emergency service vehicles where is having chains on the tires where is the budget for these things cuz they sure as hell have a lot of money to give to police departments for them to roam around in armored vehicles but somehow apparently when it comes to you know emergency services to help people in natural disasters, then all of a sudden it becomes a much more difficult task. And it's just really the the choices that our country is making, where we choose profit over people on the side of the private sector, and then in the public sector we choose relief for the wealthiest and basically nothing for for the poorest and the marginalized. Yeah, and you know you make a strong point. Waffle House actually touts that. You know, they, they say, hey, we're, we're never closed, okay? Well, this is what we do, they take pride in it. But what about the workers who have to come in? Um, many of them don't have decent wages and don't have transportation to get to work. She was in her vehicle, but it's just, it's heartbreaking. And you're so right about the money, right? Because it seems like there's plenty of money to rebuild. People get rich off of these natural disasters a lot of times. Remember New Orleans? Remember Hurricane Katrina? Where'd all the money go? So it's just heartbreaking. Again, this is we're at the end of 2022. And this young woman, she's on the phone. She's calling 911, she's done nothing wrong. She was going out the door to earn a living, probably keep a roof over her head. And now her family is left to mourn her and they have a GoFundMe. And so it's just, it's just horrific. How culpable do you think the politicians are in this, Ben? Because I'm hearing some who say, well, but wait. I declared ahead of the storm. I said, this is state of emergency. I said, don't go out. How culpable are they? Should they be held accountable or is it not in their laps? It's just the American way. 
Yeah, I think most definitely culpable because you can declare a state of emergency all you want, but that only really means anything to people that can take emergency leave because you know it's an emergency not being able to afford your rent or groceries. And so working class people in the United States are put constantly between two different emergencies. The emergencies of will I be able to afford food and rent or Christmas presents cuz Christmas was coming up or will I survive this storm? Will I survive this blizzard? And so it doesn't mean anything to declare a state of emergency unless you materially support people to respond as though it is an emergency. Because without that material support, your Words mean nothing. Yeah, it's just, it's heartbreaking. We'll learn more. Again, the family believes that, that this was carbon monoxide poisoning because snow covered the vehicle and you know that she was poisoned to death, but they're, they're well aware that she could not survive in those elements um, clearly for 18 hours. It's just horrific. It's a story we'll keep following. It affects so many, so many out there. Um, and what about the next storm? What's being done differently? Uh, let's move on to South Africa because this story is just, well, another one that's just horrific. Black teenagers ages 18 and 13 um, attacked in a South African uh, resort pool. You would think apartheid was still, you know, going strong here. Let's tell you a little bit about it. The teens were attacked at the Sport Resort. And Conference Center, South African Resort on Christmas Day. This happened by at least three white men. The teens and their sister, who uploaded the video to Twitter, said the white adults claimed the pool was reserved for white people only. And what year is this? Yeah, and with that history, this is what we're doing here? Apparently, yes. After verbally arguing with the older brother, this man attempted to strangle the younger brother after having shoved the older brother into the pool. The older brother gets out. Place the man in a chokehold. A few moments later, this white man in the blue shirt there can be seen grabbing the younger brother by his hair after the initial attacker and older brother are still struggling. Now, it was only when witnesses tried to intervene that more white men like this guy were seen joining in on the attack of the teenage brothers, okay? First, attacker continues to struggle with the older brother before another white man pushes the older brother and his attacker into the pool. Once the attacker and the brother are in the pool, the attacker chokeholds the older brother and appears to be holding his face underwater. Strangle, should we strangle or, or drown you? You know, it, this is just horrific behavior. And again, lots of people joining in here. Uh, then the man uh, who pushed them jumps onto the older brother's back, pushing him further down underwater. The teen's father, Brian Nakin, spoke to SABC News about this traumatic incident. As we were relaxing, the boys came and told us that they are being prevented from using the pool by a group of white adult males. They said they were told by the men that the pool is only reserved for people who are booked here at the resort. When they went to the pool to intervene and told the gentleman that we are also booked here. Notice that they just assumed that you know they're the only ones that can enjoy this resort and not day visitors. So we thought the issue was resolved, but we're shocked to hear that they were attacked after we left. A police spokesperson said the suspects were apprehended after a thorough investigation. After an additional charge was added, the investigating team worked around the clock to detect the suspects. We can confirm 
that there are three suspects arrested today. The first two who were arrested are from Bothaville and Brandfort, respectively. 33-year-old Johan Nell and 47-year-old Jan Stefanis Vander Wesson. Uh, that from the police. The two appeared in court on charges of assault, common and crimean injuria. The matter was postponed until the 25th of January while being released on warning. Now the third suspect we've learned from Blomdahl in Blomfontein was arrested just after 12, will be charged with attempted murder, upgraded charges there. He'll remain in custody and is expected to appear in court on Thursday. So that's tomorrow, he'll be in court. So we'll continue to follow it on the main charge of attempted murder. Civil, the president Cyril Ramaphosa says racism has no place in South Africa and racists must expect harsh consequences here. The president has commented the South African police service, he's commended them for opening dockets, launching investigations into this incident. He told Times Live, quote, our constitution means exactly what it says when it declares it's South Africa. And that means all of South Africa belongs to all who live in it. As black and white South Africans, we should be united in condemning all manifestations of racism and attempts to explain or defend such crimes. Racism is not a problem to be fought by black South Africans only. And there's this from the resort. Spokesperson Nick Mitchell said the establishment does not practice or allow any kind of segregation or racism, hoping to distance itself from the ugly incident that happened on its premises. It referred the details of the incident back to the police. It's something that the president said, Ben, that struck me because it's a recurring theme that I think the privileged people sometimes need to be reminded of, often need to be reminded of. It's not for black people to fight this, okay? And I wonder if you can respond to, to that. What the president's saying here is you should be more appalled at this. More people should have stepped up. Yeah, no, 100%. Like, because, like, fundamentally, like, like, fundamentally, right? When you, especially in a country like, like South Africa, that has a history of like apartheid and extreme, extreme racism, like, I'm talking about, like, they literally, like, tested, like, chemical and biological weapons on black folks in South Africa. Like, that's this country, like, they have a very, very sort of horrific history, right? Um, which obviously the ANC has worked to, like, reconcile and move past. Uh, but, like, and this is one of the big challenges when you're talking about decolonization efforts and when you're talking about, um, you know, ending systems of apartheid and stuff like that, is there is still a lot of informal power that exists in exclusively white hands, right? Especially when it comes to the distribution of wealth. Um, and so you end up having like a lot of like exclusively white spaces that end up happening in countries like South Africa and the United States of America. Um, and fundamentally, like you need to make racists feel uncomfortable. And if you are not actively working to make racists feel uncomfortable, um, 
then you are going to be making black and brown folks uncomfortable. Like just by definition, you are choosing, right? And not choosing is choosing, right? Like if you choose not to say anything, that is making a choice. You are making the choice to let the racist people feel comfortable and to make black and brown folks uncomfortable. It's 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 quite literally that. And it's more than just uncomfort because we know when you have systemic imbalances of power, that can also lead to direct violence as we see right here. And so like all of this is just to put it in a historical context, mm-hmm. I think it's it's just wild because right wingers to this very day like to pretend that the decolonization projects and the truth and reconciliation progress progress that has been made in South Africa is equivalent to some sort of like white genocide. Like you have white supremacists that freak out about that like all the time about like different like land redistribution movements and land reforms and things like that. When this literally still happens, this literally still happens. And like the fact that you know, people like Elon Musk's family can have the generational wealth that they do from South Africa, I think is maybe evidence that the ANC could have afforded to go even a little bit further in redistributing the wealth. Because like fundamentally, it was all wealth that was stolen in the first place. That part, okay, and you wonder why, you know, may she rest in peace. People from so many other countries were saying, you know, uh, we're not celebrating the Queen's legacy here, okay, Queen Elizabeth, right? Um, so, but there's this word comfortable that you used, and I think it's so appropriate because I, I tend to think you actually can't learn. You actually can't learn to do better unless you allow yourself to be uncomfortable, unless you allow the discomfort. And if you're an other, like those of us are, we're used to being uncomfortable. We're used to being that that is not quote unquote the mainstream. And so I wonder how you convince people who enjoy so much privilege, wealth, opportunity that they need to get uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I like, I'm kind of torn on this because part of me is a little bit doomer and part of me is just fundamentally yeah. believes that you need to take people's power away. That like if you want people to stop being harmful, you have to first take the power that they have to commit harm away from them and then start making them uncomfortable and help them learn. Because once somebody is powerless to harm others, then you can begin to feel bad for them and be like, look, I pity you. It is very pathetic how you are such a coward and so racist, right? And so let's educate you to be a better person. But before you get to that point, you have to take their power away. And this is actually central to like abolitionist thinking in general when it comes to dealing with things like crime and and stuff like that, where the goal is to prevent people who are committing harm from committing harm, which means taking away their power so that you can then go through this teaching process. But that is really the critical first step is taking away their power. So fundamentally with a lot of these people that are like, you know, being super racist, not only in South Africa, but around the world, the first step is to take away their power. If you're racist and you run a company, you shouldn't be allowed to run any company, right? Like if you're, you know, if you're racist and you're a landlord, you should have your properties taken away. Your ability to bring harm to other people should be taken away from you so that then the community can help you become a better person. Yeah. Because fundamentally, as long as that power imbalance is there, those same people have the privilege to not learn. Amen. They have the privilege of ignorance. Yeah, you're so right. And, and too often the excuse is, well, we need a free and open society and that gives these people cover. You don't want to take away their properties. We don't want to be like these communists. No, you're doing harm 
to greater society. And I think it's rich and I get it. You know, when the president's saying, you know, South Africa doesn't tolerate this, the resort saying, we do not. It wasn't that long ago that South Africa absolutely did. Okay, and I guarantee you, I'd have to do a little research, but that resort or plenty of others certainly did tolerate this and encourage this. And this is what they were all about. And so it would do people good to not express such shock alongside their outrage, but to acknowledge sometimes and say, this is who we are. Yeah. This is actually who we are too, and it has to stop, but you're still among us. Um, I love it, Ben, I love your commentary and everything you said, I agree with 100%. Uh, ben Carollo, host of Galaxy Brain, breakdown contributor to TYT, our special co-host today. Love, love having you already, much more uh, indisputable. When we come right back, I'm Sharon Reed in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie. Welcome back to Indisputable, I'm Sharon Reed in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie, who's enjoying a little time off, he certainly earned it. Uh, let's spin the wheel, okay, let's say a little bit about that. When you sign up for an annual membership, you'll get to spin the wheel to win limited time perks from TYT. It's good stuff, folks, uh, I heard from a good source, you have a 25% chance to win. I think it's one in four, a blue apron, $100 gift code, which is awesome because that's a true gift card. You can use a blue apron. Other prizes include awesome offers from Shop TYT. Check out all of it, sign up at tyt.com slash spin or scan the QR code to get started. When we say members make TYT possible, it's not hyperbole, okay? This TYT beautiful community could not exist. Without you, okay? So we love our TYT viewers, contributors, everybody. We love you all, spreading lots of love. Uh, let's get to some viewer comments, TYT member. Uh, Trumpa the Orange Dragon, oh hi, okay, that's very sweet. She says, hi Sharon, looking beautiful as usual. I promise you I did not pre-read that one, but it just popped up. So yeah, you know, I had to read it, Ben. Uh, uh, Mickey C, the silver haired dragon uh, commenting on the uh, woman who died in the Buffalo blizzard, 22 years old, trapped 18 hours. What a horror story, Mickey C says. Uh, she had to know that she was trapped in that car. My stomach is sick over what she was going through hour by hour. When did she realize that I, I might not make it out of this and then I'm not gonna make it out of this and communicating with her family desperate. And then at some time, some point the communication stopped. So I'm with you, Mickey. Uh, let's go to YouTube. Uh, FLF8L, Flawed Dragon. Ah, Ben, I've missed hearing your laugh. Okay, it's a beautiful laugh. So nice to have you and Sharon holding down the show. Okay, they like us. Ben, they like us. Okay, I never thought it mattered. You know, people say, I don't really care. But it's nice, right? That somebody says, okay, we don't mind. We like you. Yeah. It's always nice to get a compliment. <laughs> yeah, love love your laugh. Let's get one more um, on the Buffalo Blizzard. Sally Bell, uh, I'm late, but New York can get eight hundred thousand dollars for a new stadium, million probably, who knows? Uh, but only two warming centers. You know, Sally, you're right, and uh, I know Ben. That's something that you talked about. It's about allocation of resources. Why do it after the fact, right? When you could prepare so much better and help people in need and help people who shouldn't have to go out the door to work. Um, so we definitely we definitely feel you. Uh, it's time for that uh, segment of the show that we love to just kind of, well, just kind of eyeball and 
oogle and kind of say, well, they should really research these people. I wish you Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're going to feel free. There's an African American man threatening my life. Wait, have you had a light wheel fry before? What is a light wheel fry? Okay, it's you French. Filming yourself eating? Yeah. You're a weird normal yeah. <laughs> Is it still the 24th? Is it still Christmas Eve? It's because I'm ethnic. Well, that actually happened. <laughs> that really did actually just happen. I said, Japanese are Korean. Japanese are Korean. Oh, I'm Korean. Yeah, you're 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 you're Kim Jong-un's boyfriend? You know, we have been acquainted. You had gay sex with him? Ooh, would not go that far. We're only on second base. He hasn't taken me out to dinner yet. Can I take you out to dinner? Come on, stop, 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 nothing, nothing. stop. I'm you sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, my you bad. What? I didn't say anything. You didn't say anything? No, sir. I'm like, it's spit in your face and it's a Filipino. Try the hmm. Hey, you good? I'm chilling, don't worry. This is not in the name of the holiday cheer. I mean, this one breaks my heart. You have a male Karen attacking, harassing, just being disgusting to these TikTokers who are just trying to do a food review in an in and out establishment. You know, those burgers are so tasty, those burgers. They're just trying to do a food review and this this freak invades their space and starts attacking them on, on all fronts. And he wasn't finished, there's more. He's staring at us right now. <laughs> Anyways, you like little fries? I would love one. He is very much Dude, that genuinely never happened to me before. It's just horrific. Um, their names are Irene and Elliot. Uh, you can see they're visibly nervous there um, as the male Karen then watches them from the outside. And so I want to just get your initial reaction, Ben, um, because my heart ached for them. They're doing something joyful, minding their own business, being great. I mean, I, I was falling in love with them. I just wanted to see the review before this this freak, as I said, enters the picture. What's your reaction to both their reaction and, and just the nasty deed? Yeah, I mean, it's like, I mean, because their reaction, they were too nice. Like, let's be real. Like, they were, and, you know, no, not to like fault them or anything. Like, but they were very nice. They were very nice. They were like joking along with them and like, yeah, sure, buddy, whatever. Like, okay, like, let us do our thing. Um, and he was still like leaning into it. And it's really scary. That's like genuinely like an incredibly scary situation to be in. And if you've never been in that situation, like, you kind of don't know how scary it is because you don't know to what level these people are at. Like there's these people have so much like ridiculous conspiracy theories, racist ideas up in their head. Like these are like, I mean, especially on Christmas Eve. Like where do you have to be at a point in your life where on Christmas Eve, you are interrogating the race of somebody who is making a TikTok and an In-N-Out burger. Like you just need to think about that. And so if you're on the receiving end of that, of somebody interrogating you about your life and then saying like weird homophobic stuff, like 
That's a very, very scary situation because people like that have a long history in the United States of committing violence. In fact, organized violence from people like that is literally what the United States was founded on. So it's a pretty terrifying situation to be in, just like right off the bat, right off the bat, the initial reaction there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and just to think about it, they had each other, you know, but they, just each other. I didn't see anybody else in the restaurant who said, you know, wait a minute. You know, there's power in numbers. If somebody else could just step up and tell this freak to get lost, as you know, then standing and watching them outside the restaurant. Um, the male Karen was arrested, so we do have that, um, thankfully, by the San Ramon, California police for harassing Irene Kim and her friend Elliot at this In N Out Burger. Again, Christmas Eve night. I don't know why we keep even saying that. Because people are gonna be people no matter what day of the year it is, apparently. Um, the two were simply filming themselves, as we said. They were trying different menu items uh, for Kim's TikTok. When this man approached them, um, the San Ramon Police Department announced that they had arrested the suspect. Jordan Douglas Croft, 40 of Denver, Colorado, for violating California's hate crime laws. Okay, a lot of states still don't have them. Okay, Croft is currently being interviewed by police. He'll be booked into the Martinez County Jail. And let's hope he stays there for a good long time. Um, here's more details that Kim gave to um, Cron 4, Channel 4. Uh, San Francisco area. Uh, when the man came back into the restaurant to pick up his order, he began harassing other people of color too. Kim says after the interactions, the man would step outside the restaurant to smoke cigarettes while gesturing and staring at the pair. Uh, Kim and her friend decided to wait until the in and out location closed before leaving. And the pair asked one of the employees to check outside to be sure he wasn't still waiting for them. Kim was grateful the employee watched as they walked to their car to ensure they made it safely. Okay, I wanna stop again, Ben. This freak came back inside to collect his order? You mean no one at the restaurant said I refuse to serve you? You can get out of here. You're not gonna get your order today. No in and out burger for you, you can leave. And. For the employee, it's it's almost like this is expected and this is just what happens and people are gonna do what people do and it's ugly, sure. For the employee, no one called the police? He's laying in wait, he's threatening. You know, I can't quote the words, but he's threatening. And I wonder what you make of that, he's still got his food. Yeah, I mean, seriously, like, and like part of this has to do with the way that employees are treated. And part of this just has to do with the way that like we're told to accept people like this. Like, just like, we're just literally told to like tolerate people like this in our lives, right? Where, you know, I mean, look at any situation, whether it be in public at a restaurant or even in the workplace, if somebody's like doing something like homophobic, racist, even trying to be intimidating and terrifying, right? Like it is the onus is always put on marginalized people to explain away their behavior. But like, oh, Bob's just having a bad day to stay, or like oh they're goodness. so ignorant about something. Like, and it's always like, it's always like, you know, especially like on me, it's like a trans woman, right? If people are like, you know, misgendering me or saying it's always like, oh no, they just don't understand. And they're like, what's not to understand? Like, I don't know, you learned pronouns in the third grade, right? Like, <laughs> you know, like, yes. And yeah. if you don't get it, it's time for you to get it. You know, and it yeah. makes me sound like I'm being ugly. 
But you know what? It's time for you to look beyond your own mirror and get it. Okay, there's other people who are allowed to exist too. Okay, this is why I love you, Ben. Uh, there is one person though, one person, Ben, who stepped up. And I find this fascinating because I do think you're right. We are taught to just tolerate, accept, um, look away, mind our own business when people behave this way and disrupt society. Um, after Kim posted the video to her social media accounts, caught the attention of one person. This guy with a badge. No, this is a good story about the police this time, okay? This is good, okay? This is the San Ramon police chief, Denton Carlson. I like everything about him, including his smile and his crisp uniform because he used it the right way. Carlson retweeted her video, asked the pair to reach out. Kim says since then she has been in touch with police to investigate the incident, a proactive Police chief, no report filed. He saw the video and said, we're not gonna tolerate this here. It's not happening. Just before 4 p.m. on Sunday, Carlson had tweeted this photo of the suspected individual. So it wasn't just lip service. They actually got after this fool in this little you know, two-seater. I know that, listen, a lot of people like two-seaters. A lot of people like sports cars. I'm just telling you there's a certain kind of person sometimes who wants to ride around in this and spread hate. It's this guy, okay, this guy. So then tweets that out and says, help me help you. And indeed, that's where we are today. So what do you make of the police chief? And is this just a California thing or could it possibly spread? I mean, I live in Georgia, so good luck with that. Ben, where are you? But could could this be a model for how other agencies handle this to let people like this know you're not going to get any cover here? Yeah, I mean, I have mixed feelings, right? So, because like at my core, I'm a police abolitionist. So, like fundamentally, like that's like the standing point that I'm coming from, right? But there's definitely a role in society for people that intervene in situations like this, like as we were talking about in the previous story, to try and take away people's power to commit harm to other people, right? That's really at the core element of it. And part of like part of this, like specifically calling people out, putting people on blast like this, and saying like, hey, this is a dangerous person because they're doing all these things, right? It at least lets other people in the community know like, okay, this is bad. Not only should I personally not behave like this, but also I should maybe stay away from that person over there until they change their behavior, you know? And and so like, it's nice to see police officers do these things. But also at the same time, it would be even nicer if our entire system of policing was changed so that this is what they did instead of what we know police across the country already do. Because unfortunately, I don't think the police officers in Minneapolis would behave quite uh, the same way. You know? I think you're right, I think you're right. And, and maybe would they, would you be comfortable if the institution of policing stayed, if they only had one mission to go after people like this? Then that's <laughs> maybe, maybe that's the future. We all know how policing in this, well, not all of us know how policing in this country began, okay? where it all started, so it's no surprise how we got here. Um, so I, I happen to agree with you, but you know, kudos to those two who are just trying to make a TikTok. Shame on people who didn't step up to help their neighbor, okay, their fellow man. And, and frankly, don't ask me what I am, because it's human.
okay? You don't need to ask me and intrude upon me, okay? When you mean me no harm, you mean me no good. So a lot more to learn there. And hopefully he loses his job and his sports car. Because we don't like you very much. And you're not welcome here. And I don't want to breathe the same air as you. And maybe that's too far, maybe it's too much. Or maybe it's not enough, I don't know. But there are others, too many others, just like that freak out there at the In-N-Out Burger. And it just makes you want to say, what in the red state hell? You can take a gun, shoot somebody in the face. It's not hard. Sometimes it might even be fun if they're a godless commie. Now, what they're trying to do is sneak the COVID vaccine in your salads. I never had, I hate math. Somebody say amen. Beating women is about as American as apple pie. And I, <laughs> I say that, I say that in that, like, it wasn't until the 70s that corporal punishment for women wasn't, was kind of outlawed and written out of the code. But you, you go back to common law, you go back to our founding. There was like, a, there were clauses in there that kind of accepted, okay, well, if a woman, if a woman gets out of line, beating her is, 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 is fine. And, you know, Abigail Adams, she was John Adams's wife. She wrote this very famous letter and she was like, uh, you know, when you're drafting the Constitution, please, uh, please remember the women, if you will. She was talking about is, hey, can you maybe put in a clause that says like men can't beat their wives if, uh, if they get out of line? And John Adams' response to that was, <laughs> you're too funny, lady. Women are, for the most part, these awful creatures who don't have souls, who don't have hearts, who are there for the money, who are there to suck us dry. And you know, you have these boomers who tell us like, well, you know what, just start a family. And it's like, have you seen the women who are out there? Yeah. Have you seen what's happening to us? It's a little bit trolly, it's a little bit of a joke that all women are whores and all women are sluts and all women are just awful. But you look at these stories and you're like, okay, well, you know, am I wrong? Ben, I need a break, <laughs> I really, I don't. I'll tell. I'll. I'll tee it up, okay. In case people don't know who that mouth belongs to, John Miller is a former Blaze TV host, currently banned on Getter, suspended on Twitter. Says a lot of controversial things, but I want to give you the first crack at John and whatever. Yeah, most definitely. Okay, so the first thing is I'll say a lot of people will have the instinct to respond to something like this and say, "Oh no, that's not what the United States was founded on. That's not what the United States was founded on." But you need to take a step back and you need to recognize that that is what the United States was founded on. The United States was founded as a white supremacist, patriarchal, capitalist country. Period. Stop. Right? That is the heart of the United States of America. That is our origins. The reason why it's important to acknowledge the truth in the initial statement that he said about the history of the United States is because that should point out to you the fact that we need to fundamentally change some of the roots, the core of our society. Because all of these things are tied into each other. You simply cannot change the surface level aspects of society and think that we have changed things. Because the truth is, having more women CEOs is not going to change the fundamental root misogyny that exists within our society, right? Because, and like, you know, as a trans woman, I live at a very interesting intersection of this because these people have really, really toxic, toxic beliefs about women. Both on one front, that they should protect women, not protect as in keep safe, but protect as in you would protect 
private property. While also at the same time, they withhold for themselves the a complete right to purely define femininity. And so anybody that doesn't fit their very, very strict mold wow. of what femininity is and isn't, then is seen as either some sort of predator or threat to their women. Because once again, in the United States of America, the core philosophy is treating women and children as yeah. property. And that fully explains the way that these people behave in society. They think that women should be property. And when women don't behave as property, that is what gets these people feeling so angry. And the unfortunate reality is, is we have not fundamentally challenged that reality in our society. It is both why these right wingers are terrified of their children growing up to be queer, because they think that their children are their property. It's also why these people are terrified of the idea of women having financial independence, having reproductive independence. All of these things are fundamental threats to their misogynistic patriarchal society. So before I get to the other hateful things that John Miller has tweeted out, I, for one thing, I will note that he does seem to enjoy it. Like hate for him is full of joy, unless it's just an incredible Oscar award winning or worthy performance. But I wonder what you make of his hue, because I, you know, I believe I'm an educated woman who is curious about other people. I just find it so difficult to put this on other people when I'm a black woman. I know, I know what it feels like to navigate life as a black woman. And I wonder what you make of this person spewing this kind of hatred and rhetoric. Yeah, I mean, I like, I don't really know what to say other than it's just like, you know, people, our, our society makes people feel powerless, right? That is like the whole point of capitalism, right? Unless you are like a wealthy billionaire that like owns tons of stocks and bonds and all those things, like, our society is designed to make you feel powerless. But our society tells people that, you can gain power in very particular specific ways. And gaining power in very particular specific ways tends to be things like, you know, engaging in racist, you know, engaging in racist behavior, engaging in misogynistic behavior. You know, the United States kind of, it's not a democracy. Like we don't have a culture of democracy. We have a culture of popular aristocracy where we tell men yeah. specifically that they are all individual kings of their own castle. And so that's why you'll have people from all walks of life where they will try to find people who are more marginalized than them in one way or another to exert power over them. Because when they look up, they feel powerless, right? And so the easiest thing then is to look down. And like this kind of goes into like some psychology about this philosophy of you know joy of being the cause. It's that it's why babies like to break things and knock things over, is because as human beings, we like seeing that our actions have a material impact on the world. And when people feel powerless, they very often engage in destructive behavior because destruction is sort of the ultimate form of displaying that you have 
you know, you have like the power to affect the world. And so these people feel powerless. And so they get joy out of causing harm to others because it goes back to that root, like sort of like core psychological feeling of the joy of being the cause. And so like it is it is from insecurity, it is from instability, and it is from um, you know, individuals like own feeling of powerlessness, why they engage in these like harmful behaviors against other people. I, I think you're brilliant, okay? And as you were speaking there, I, I had to remind myself of the quote from President Lyndon B. Johnson. If you can convince the lowest white man he's better than the best colored man, he won't notice you're picking his pocket. Hell, give him somebody to look down on and he'll empty his pockets for you. It really is the American way to get everybody to be against each other and make sure at least this segment is is superior. Let's let's go through some of the other hate-filled things that this this person has said. Gamer John is the handle when he is loud on Twitter. Biggest tragedy of the Holocaust was that George Soros survived. Okay, just part of what got him banned. Juneteenth actually makes me wonder if freeing the slaves was even a good idea. As a Christian, I can of course be critical of Jews. But out of the people I criticize here, Jews probably get it the least, and yet they make the biggest stink about it. No wonder people accuse them of exaggerating numbers. Some people sure can dish it, but can't take it. I mean, this guy's a fool, okay, just a fool. I'm sorry, what else am I supposed to say? He was apparently banned from Getter for using the N-word in his profile. Uh, unsurprisingly, let's throw up this picture because it really is you are the company you keep many times. Miller nowadays hanging out with white supremacists like Steve King and Nick Fuentes. They look very comfortable, very friendly. This is their crowd. And I wonder what they talk about. You ever wonder, Ben, what when people like that get together? What do they talk? What do they talk about? Do they just like try to one up each other with, with racism and rhetoric? And it's very complicated to me. Yeah, I mean, my guess is they probably just make like jokes with each other mm-hmm. at the expense of marginalized people. Like that's it. Like that's that's really the root of it because that's that's all these people have, right? That's all these people have. Um, you know, they don't really have anything other than like the, the hierarchies that they've just bought into in society and all of this like bigotry that they have bought into in society. And so like fundamentally, uh, I don't think they talk about much else because I don't think they yeah. have much else. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, unfulfilled, broken, insecure, um, but they have each other, which is just disgusts me. It actually disgusts me. Uh, ben Carollo, host of Galaxy Brain and Breakdown contributor here on TYT. I mean it, I think you're brilliant and I think I love you, okay? Uh, much more <laughs> uh, indisputable when we come right back. Sharon Reed in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie. Welcome back to Indisputable. I'm Sharon Reed and for Dr. Rashad Ritchie and I'm loving this show. Ben Carollo joins us. She is host of Galaxy Brain, a breakdown contributor here on TYT. And your commentary is just spot on, getting a lot of reaction too. Not only do people love your laugh, they love everything about you. So let's read some of these comments. TYT member, once upon, what a great duo today, both of you. Rock. I think Dr. Ritchie would be proud. I do, at least 
Maybe you, okay. You might have some notes <laughs> for me. Okay, correct this, do that. Um, let's get to our next story. It's a heartbreaking one, a woman just trying to go to church, okay? Just trying to go to church when a speeding police officer kills her as she's parking. And now the family of the woman killed by the police officer is suing the city of Fayetteville, North Carolina. Speeding cop crashed and killed this black veteran, as we said, on her way to church. Uh, here she is, US Air Force vet Christine Harris, mother of two daughters. She was killed September 22nd, 2020. Beautiful woman, gone, just like that. 57 year old was pulling into the Church of Christ parking lot in Fayetteville, North Carolina, when her car was hit. She was ejected from her white Honda minivan. She died at a nearby hospital, just a brutal death. Relatives and their lawyers claim the police department willfully undermined the justice system to protect the officer from prosecution. This found in Atlanta Black Star. 28 year old special police officer Jonathan Fambro crashed into this veteran's vehicle at 91 miles per hour. Speed limit was 50 according to Harris's family attorneys. He was taken to a nearby hospital for injuries, but never charged for his driving. Christine's husband, William Harris, wept openly at the press conference, announcing the wrongful death lawsuit for his wife. You see civil rights attorney Ben Crump by his side. Here's what the husband said, William Harris. I've been living with this over two years now, you know, trying to understand why this has happened. Civil Rights Attorney Ben Crump representing the Harris family, along with co-counsel Jason Burton. They've been down this road before, if anybody can handle it, it's them. Why, why does it seem though, Ben, that every police officer is worthy of this kind of blue protective wall, no matter what? Didn't take any kind of, you know, no toxicology tests to run, just routine stuff that if you had done that or I had done that, they draw some blood, wouldn't just check us out for scrapes and bruises. They want to know what was going on, what was so important. What is the policy? As a reporter for several decades at this point, you never can get police to tell you what their chase policy is. By the way, they kind of make it up as they go along. Everything's private, internal, like they don't work for the community. Yeah, no, most definitely. And it all goes to it all goes to this notion of serve and protect because the important question is, serve and protect who and what, right? And that goes back once again to the white supremacist history of the United States of America. Because fundamentally, police were never put in place to serve and protect regular everyday people. They are there to serve and protect the order, right? Like they want to maintain order. But what order? What order exactly is that, right? That throughout the history of the United States always has been an order where queer folks, black and brown folks, um, poor folks are kept down and rich, wealthy white folks are shielded, right? That fundamentally is what happens. And that's why when you see protests, what police do is they'll do everything in their power to protect private property while they're literally, you know, firing tear gas into peaceful protesters, right? Like that should be really 
all you need to understand. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what the policy is. It does not matter what the policy is, as long as police internally have the power to punish themselves or not punish themselves, then it doesn't matter, then policy is irrelevant, right? Even places where high speed chases have been banned because they don't make sense. Anybody that you would chase in a high speed chase, you could find later with security cameras and tracking vehicles, right? Like everywhere that they've been banned, they've been banned because innocent bystanders die like this all the time. Except these policies only matter if it's willing to be enforced internally. But as we've seen with Richard Nixon's war on drugs and the subsequent like huge increase in police funding, you see very, very clearly that it was stated explicitly by Nixon administration officials that the whole purpose was to target black and brown folks because they were perceived political opponents of Republicans and to wrongfully jail them, right? Because if we had a justice system that actually worked to protect society, right? Police would be kicking down the doors of people doing wage theft, which way outweighs, you know, wow. larceny and burglary, right? And so like fundamentally it just goes to the roots. And unfortunately the Democratic Party is unwilling to challenge this because they wanna play this game of like, oh, well, we wanna be fair and balanced. And to be real, right? If you've talked to like city council members like across the country, there's a significant chunk of them that come in wanting to do police reform, but literally get intimidated away from doing anything. There are quite literally city council members across this country who are afraid of our own police departments because the type of people that are actively recruited for police departments are like you're talking about like the same racist, unstable folks that, that are like yelling at customer service workers, you know? Yeah, okay. They could be in another segment on this show. Many of them, okay? It, it is just outlandish and I do find frustration with the fact that it does seem now shining a light. They're not embarrassed, they're just gonna, they're gonna just wait it out. It'll be settlement, taxpayer dime. But the police aren't gonna change here. They gotta be forced to change. And you're so right about the Democratic Party. Uh, much more, um, we're taking a break now. Trying to remember. Nope, nope. Let's go on to the next story because we got plenty more time here. Um, but I, I do agree with you that this is just kids. It's on and on and on. And unless you force people to change, they're not going to change. Um, institutions of higher learning. I thought it was to have these thought-provoking discussions and eye-opening uh, curriculum. Not so much. California Medical School's history of unethical experiments. That's an understatement. Let's tell you a little bit about it. Notable California Medical School apologizing for subjecting inmates to unethical experiments during the 60s and 70s. So what does that mean? Unethical is a soft pedaled word. Hmm, experiment. California Medical Facility was the first prison hospital in the country. This is in Vacaville, California. It's where two dermatologists employed by the University of San Francisco experimented on over 2,600 inmates by using pesticides and herbicides on their skin and injecting it into their veins. It's, it's hard to fathom. This, this went on and people conspired together and thought it was okay, it, they did. University's program for historical reconciliation 
Okay, they have a department for that issued a report about the experiments earlier this month writing that the doctors engaged in quote, questionable informed consent practices. Who I need to know, and I'm gonna read the rest of the statement, but I need to know, Ben, I really want an investigation. Who wrote that garbage? Who wrote that sentence? Who then read it and said, I green light it. Questionable informed consent practices. They injected people with pesticides without their consent. Questionable? This is it's insanity. Am I? Did you? Yeah, it's literally a violation of international law. Like you can't, (laughs) like you can't just be like testing inmates with like, like it's 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 literally mind numbing. It's literally mind numbing. Like this is the type of thing that people would get charged at the international criminal court with. Like this is not like this is not like a small. Uh, not a small deal. So calling it questionable is really like it just speaks to the language because it's an institution of power. It's a medical school. It's a prison. These are government institutions. These are you know, and if it's an institution of power doing it, then it's questionable, right? Then it's questionable because heaven forbid we have you know people that are actually like you know call this stuff out and calling it historical. The 1970s. I mean, come on. If you know people that are old enough to have seen Hello. the first Star Wars movie come out. Okay, these people are still alive. It's not historical, right? Like, where are the where are the criminal charges? Yeah, just stop lying. Stop these these falsehoods. This drama. Let's just get down to it. Okay. The rest of the statement goes on to say they perform procedures on men who did not have any of the diseases or conditions that the research aimed to treat. Okay, they were just guinea pigs, and I don't think guinea pigs should be treated this way either. How about that? San Francisco Chronicle first reported the program's findings. On Wednesday, the experiments were carried out by researchers. Dr. William Epstein on the left there, he died in 2006. And Dr. Howard Maybach on the right, who is still employed with the University of San Francisco. Say what now? It is unclear if Maybach will face any disciplinary action. Discipline, how about you go to the prison now. How about you go there since you like it so much? Is this not more insanity? I just told you who they were, Ben. One of them still works for the University of San Francisco. Does tenure is tenure that difficult to get rid of? I know tenure can't prevent for like protect you from like criminal charges. Okay, like that's like in what world? In what world? I mean, like, but it's like, look, he's an old white guy, right? So, and this is the United States of America, right? And he's a university professor, like, so, like, this is infuriating. This is, and the people he victimized were prisoners. Yep, you know. And before people sitting at home, well, they probably aren't our viewers, but what the hell. Say, well, they were in prison. You know, these are not good people. These are the worst people. Do we need to remind people of who gets cuffed and put behind bars in this country? Okay, folks, we don't, I don't really need to go there, right? It's just, it's just incredible that this is still going on. And if the university wants to hang its hat on that, I don't know why there would be this, this program and historical findings or whatever it was called. Okay, it's all this whole facade of nonsense and criminality. To me, it's criminality. I don't know what the penal code is, but I say it's criminality. Much, much more to come. Ben Carollo, she's the host of Galaxy Brain and breakdown contributor on TYT. Love, love having you. Much more indisputable. I'm Sharon Reedin for Dr. Rashad Ritchie. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to Indisputable. I am Sharon Reed in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie, who is taking some well earned time off today. Co host is Ben Carollo, the host she is of Galaxy Brain and a TYT contributor for Breakdown. I feel like we're old friends and we've known each other forever, okay? I'm a believer. I subscribe to you, okay? And I do, well, why don't you do right now? Tell people where they can find you and just follow your lead. Uh, yeah, yeah. So Substack Ben Carollo, uh, Tumblr Ben Carollo, because who knows how long Twitter's gonna be around, <laughs> but also Twitter Benjamin Carollo. And then most importantly, Galaxy Brain, Fridays 4 p.m. Uh, uh, on the TYT Twitch channel. And then the breakdown, right, at TYT Breakdown on YouTube. Okay, brilliant, brilliant. Uh- Things that you produce, Galaxy Brain. It's just you're you're just tremendous. Um, and then there's Marjorie Taylor Greene, who really wants people to give her incoming colleague a break. Apparently, when Marjorie Taylor Greene starts speaking up for you, you might want to have a seat. Okay, you might want to go underground, but that's exactly what's happening. Uh, the Congresswoman from Georgia uh, says that we should all give GOP congressional elect uh, George Santos the benefit of the doubt after he was caught in his web of lies about his professional and personal life as heritage. Because she says, Ms. Green, he might still be sincere. In a Tuesday evening Twitter thread, Green bizarrely came to Santos's defense after he gave, this is being kind, an awkward Fox News interview. You see the tweet there, did she pay him for that blue check mark? And then could we find that out or is hers just grandfathered in? I would want to know, mine's gone away and I really don't even care. But Tulsi Gabbard, who says she is a former Democrat, gave Rep-elect George Santos zero grace while George is admitting and apologizing for lying about his resume, just like her former colleagues are giving George zero grace and even demanding he resign. Uh, let's listen to Tulsi Gabbard's interview here. Um, she, she went hard in the paint, but I mean, d- doesn't he deserve it? First question I really want to ask you now that all of this has been refe- revealed is, what does the word integrity mean to you? Well, Tulsi, thank you for having me. You know, um, to, to answer your question, integrity is very important. And like I, I said to the New York Post, embellishing what, what does it mean though? What does it mean? Because the, the meaning of well, the word actually matters in practice. Of course, it, it means to, to carry yourself in an honorable way. And I made a mistake, and I think humans are flawed, and we all make mistakes, Tulsi. I'm having to admit this in national television for the whole country to see, and I have the courage to do so because I believe that in order to move past this and move forward and be an effective member of Congress, I have to face my mistakes, and I'm facing them. I'm not a fraud, I'm not a fake, I, I, I didn't materialize from thin air, I worked damn hard to get where I got my entire life. Life wasn't easy, it didn't start off easy. As I've said it many, many times, I come from abject poverty. I made some mistakes and I own up to them. And now I wanna put this past me so I can deliver for the American people. The thing is, Congressman-elect, integrity means yes, carrying yourself with honor, but it means means telling the truth, being a person of integrity. If I were one of those in New York's third district right now, now that the election is over and I'm finding out all of these lies that you've told, not just one little lie or one little embellishment, these are blatant lies. My question is, do you have no shame? 
Do you have no shame in the people well, who are now you're asking to trust you to go and be their voice for them, their families and their kids in Washington? Tulsi, I can say the same thing about the Democrats and, and the party. Look at Joe Biden. Joe Biden's been lying to the American people for 40 years. He's the president of the United States. Democrats resoundly support him. Do they have no shame? This, Look, this I've is, made this very this clear. Is not, this I is made, not about the Democratic Party, though. This is about your relationship, no, frankly, with the people who've entrusted you to go and, and fight for them. And that was just a snippet. I don't know if later on, did he bring up Hunter Biden's laptop and this whole nonsense? What else did he do to deflect here? I don't know. <laughs> Marjorie Taylor Greene, though, is defending him and won't stop. Here's what else she said, this time laying into uh, Tulsi Gabbard. I do appreciate that Tulsi says words that sound conservative now, even though she can't take action to back them up. I'm glad she and legislated to kill America's energy independence and the fossil fuel industry. She goes on to say, I hope Tulsi is sincere, <laughs> just like I hope George is sincere. Sincere about what? I think he would lie if you asked him what he had for breakfast this morning. The truth is apparently not in him. She goes on to say, I think we Republicans should give George Santos a chance and see how he legislates and votes, not treat him the same as the left. Um, that message is confusing for some who read Green's op-ed for the Daily Caller. Last week where she said, lying to the base is a red line for me. Isn't this, I mean, he lied to, didn't he lie to the base? Well, he lied to everyone, apparently, behind closed doors, in front of cameras, on the campaign trail. He lied and lied and lied. Um, then in another thread, Marjorie Taylor Greene claimed the left hated Santos for being an openly gay Republican. Here's what she says, the left doesn't care about lying. The real reason they're attacking George Santos is that he, the first openly gay Republican elected and they hate him for it. I'm glad George is being honest with his district now, <laughs> just barely. And look forward to seeing how George legislates and votes. Okay, there's more backlash against Santos for his lies. Um, Congressman-elect George Santos, a Republican from New York, who reportedly lied about his Jewish heritage and has admitted he fabricated key details of his resume, said in an interview Monday that he never claimed to be Jewish. The quote is, I said I was Jew-ish, okay? You gotta get the stress the last, ish, like he's Jew-ish with the hyphen. So you got it wrong. You didn't understand his inflection, he's not wrong. However, in a position paper shared with Jewish and pro-Israel leaders during the campaign and obtained by the forward, Santos called himself, quote, a proud American Jew. There's no hyphen there and there's no ish on the end of that, okay? He said, I'm a proud American Jew. According to genealogy websites reviewed by the forward and reported last week, Santos falsely claimed to have Jewish grandparents. He went further. See, this is where it's not funny. It's not, none of this is funny, but this is where it's just diabolical. He said his Jewish grandparents fled anti-Jewish persecution in Ukraine and then Belgium during World War II. The website MyHeritage 
Facebook.com lists Santos's maternal grandparents as having both been born in Brazil before the Nazis rose to power. Now, there's, can you make any sense of this, Ben? Both MTG's defense. And she's all over the place. I can't keep up. It's like giving me a headache. I do a bit of a headache. Maybe I'm dehydrated. I can't keep up with her reasoning. But can you make any sense of his, I guess it's an apology, an acknowledgement, kind of, sort of, something about the president? What do we make of this? Yeah, I mean, it's like this is something that's classic with white supremacists, like across the board. Let's be real. Like, they don't care about the truth. In like, cuz when they say truth, they mean something different, right? When these people say the truth, they care about integrity. What they really care about is whether or not you're willing to uphold white supremacy and white supremacist system. That's it, that's all they care about. I mean, it's just like that Republican senator. I don't know if he was like a senator, senator, or like a state senator, but got caught because he was planning, he was intending to use an alternative Twitter account, but ended up accidentally using his own account where he tweeted something along the lines of, you know, as a gay black man you know I was everything was terrible under Obama but it was really really great under Donald Trump I feel respected now um, I don't know if anybody remembers that but it was a big thing where it was like you know he's literally a well-known like white man Republican senator uh, claiming to be a black man on the internet because it thought he thought that it was useful for his political agenda and Republicans don't care like because Republicans will do that all the time because they don't fundamentally like feel like that is anything that's relevant to the truth or reality. They only care about whether or not you're willing to uphold this white supremacist system or whether or you are not and trying to change it. And so that is what they mean by integrity, that is what they mean by truth. Um, you know, like let's be real. Like if these people were just given complete power over the country, they would be doing phrenology all day long. Like so it's not like these are not serious people, these are not genuine people. These are people that fundamentally, because they do not care about marginalized people, because he does not care about Jewish people, he sees no issue with falsely claiming a Jewish identity. It's just like, you know, a lot of white Southerners that falsely claim indigenous ancestry, right? So they can try to use that as a shield for colonizer accusations. But in reality, they're just trying to justify the history of colonialism. They're trying to justify the power and positions that they have in society. I gotta say something. You know what, if it wasn't for TYT's anti-harassment, I'd leap right through the screen and kiss you. I just, thank you, okay? I have trouble focusing sometimes, you know, as I get older. You have broken down at every level what's in my heart. And I know there's so many people watching who say, ah, oh, thank you. Because this is crazy, and I feel like the more we just let it go, we're this is beyond lying. Is this who we are? Yes, it's actually who we are. Okay, uh, the Republican Jewish Coalition on, on Tuesday uh, said Representative Elect George Santos deceived the organization. You think? And misrepresented his Jewish heritage, adding the incoming lawmaker is no longer welcome. At its event, okay? They don't want him there. He's not gonna get a free cocktail. He's not gonna get hors d'oeuvres. He's not to come in the door. They probably have someone watching the door saying he's not to come in here, okay? And I don't blame them. It's a little late, okay? There's so many other things that have come out about him, but they don't want him in their presence, okay?
We've had enough darkness, okay? And I wanna move on to something positive. And some women who helped rescue, okay? Infants, babies, kidnapped. Um, these women are heroes, okay? And I think that they deserve to be recognized. They helped police find a homeless woman who kidnapped two Ohio infants. Chance encounter it was. It occurred when Cheyenne Delmar and her cousin, Mecca Curry, worked together. Bought a toy from a woman, met at a gas station. She even exchanged numbers with the woman and gave her a ride, okay? All a chance encounter, but it turned out to be such an important one. What she didn't realize at the time was that she was dropping off Nala Jackson, a homeless woman, accused of stealing a car, kidnapping babies, Kyair and Kason Thomas. Look at these cute babies, they're so cute. They just wanna snuggle with them. I just love these babies and I needed this to, we need to have babies in every time I fill in because it keeps me grounded, okay? They're so cute, okay? And they needed to be saved. Kyair and Kason Thomas, they were kidnapped on December 19th in Columbus, Ohio. Kyair was found at the Dayton airport the next day, but Kason was still missing. Well, this is how the women helped track down Jackson. Delmar said she had an image of the woman that she compared to Jackson's mugshot. She showed the comparison to family and friends, including Curry. They agreed, yep, it's her, maybe Jackson, Delmar and Curry. Report speaking to IMPD and the FBI about their suspicions. So these were proactive, okay? These were very proactive, but they didn't have enough for police to work with. They decided, well, we'll do the investigation ourselves. They lured Jackson out of hiding, bring to pick her up and take her to area stores. They report calling law enforcement to give their exact location and hopes and arrests would also lead to Kassan. Law enforcement eventually pulled over the women while they were on I-65 South, but there was no news of Kassan. The women then decided to visit the different stores and restaurants Jackson had mentioned during conversations. We remembered, she said Papa John's, they said she kept same Papa John's, and when they arrived at the pizza restaurant, they noticed the stolen car based on the description Columbus police put out. And there it was. I see baby legs, I don't hear baby, Curry said. All I smell is a foul smell. Now instantly at this point, I'm like, no, she's screaming. I'm screaming, she hears me screaming. She runs to go find the police, I'm so glad. Ran into Papa John's and told them, y'all need to call the police, that discovery led. Look at this, it's a happy reunion. There's a cute baby, IMPD sergeant holding Kassan in the pizza shop before the boy received medical care. Police commended these women for a job well done. I'll give you the last word, we got about 15 seconds, I'm sorry. I'm long winded when it comes to cute cuddly babies. Oh yeah, um, this is really important because a lot of things that abolitionists will say is that community keeps us safe. And this is a perfect example of this, Amen. being active, involved in the community and looking out for each other and trying to see when something's off and try and take care of people. Man, I appreciate you. I didn't make you feel uncomfortable when I threatened to leap through the screen. I feel like I should apologize. I mean, we're in the no, no. sure, okay, because now's the time to say it. If I made you feel uncomfortable. <laughs> I apologize. It's fine. It's fine. I love sharing time with you on this show. Um, again, tell people quickly where they can find you. 
Yeah, you can find me at Benjamin Crollo on Twitter and then on TYT's Breakdown and Fridays at 4 p.m. on Galaxy Brain on TYT's Twitch channel. Okay, until next time, Ben, thank you so much. I'm Sharon Reading for Dr. Rashad Ritchie. This is indisputable. Hope you enjoyed the show. We'll do it again. Thank you.